All right, so we have been doing a series. Let me get to my page here. On the Bible and what we believe on creation. We've talked about um, things that are in the Bible, science that's in the Bible. You talked about washing your hands. You talked about all sorts of different things like hygiene and things that we've used in science um, and in medicine today. We talked about the ideas of those things being in the Bible. All right. Because the Bible contains truth, and that's, that's what we're trying to get you to understand, is the Bible contains truth. And the main goal of the Bible is what? Anybody know? Okay, yes, to tell about God. And specifically, one big story. What's the big story? Okay, the gospel, they say the gospel is the story, right? The story is about Jesus, and Jesus is son of God who comes, sees a world that needs to be saved. He comes, and there has to be a sacrifice, and he is the only one who can be the sacrifice. Makes a perfect sacrifice by dying for us on the cross, raised again after he's dead, and allows us then to go to heaven. That's the big picture story. And all of the things in the Old Testament, all the way up through until the New Testament, tell the story of history of the nation of Israel and point to Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament is meant to point to Jesus, okay? To help us to understand what's going on in the background with God. And then the New Testament is the story of that. And after he dies and is raised again and goes to heaven, it's the story of the church spreading that message around, okay, in the New Testament. And then finally, the what will happen in the end times when he comes back again. So it's the big story all about Jesus from the very beginning to the very end. We begin in the beginning with Jesus creating the world and it tells the story okay and we find through clues about jesus all sorts of things from the beginning and he's there from the beginning and all the way to the end now there are bits of truth that we find throughout the bible which support the bible they do not necessarily just make the bible true and if they weren't there it still would be true but it's an additional thing that we can look as we as we kind of look across the Bible, we find that there's truth about science. And oftentimes, the truth about science is written down in the Bible very clearly and was written down hundreds and even thousands of years before we discovered it as in our scientific world here, okay? So we're trying to say, God knows it, he created it, he put it together, and so we're trying to help you to understand that if you have a biblical worldview, in other words, if you say, what God said was true in the Bible, then we go back and we can look at the Bible and say, this is something that God says about light, or about blood, or about water 
or about whatever, is it true? From what we know in science, is it true? And the answer is a resounding yes. Okay, as you go back and you look, you understand. And that's what we're trying to say is the Bible is full of all sorts of truth. And so this, this is about learning about God's truth and understanding and getting a better foundation of what the Bible says. Okay, so we're going to start with this. Tell me the parts of the mouse trap. Spring. Spring. That's very important. Okay. What else? Uh, the clip you hold. Clip hold. Okay. What? Which clip? The this part. The thingy that holds the thingy down. Yeah. <laughs> the thingy that holds the thingy down. Right. Yes. What would you call this? A wire, okay, <laughs> we got the wire. We got the spring, we got the wire. What? The pressure plate thingy. Me? Is it me? with that big thing. Go snap. 
understand this device. Y'all pretty much got down. Did you need me to go find a mouse to try to get it in there and show you? <laughs> so it's a reasonably, and what I'm saying is each part of this, including this little thing which we didn't name, this little staple that holds this wire here, it's all an important part of this. You would not have a mouse trap if you did not have each part. Now, could it look a little different? Sure. Could the deck platform be part of this whole big table instead? Yes, but you still need a deck platform to hold it all together. You need something in order for that mouse to lay his nice soft belly and that neck breaker to go and to break it, right? That's what you want. So here you are with a mouse trap. Not complicated, right? Not complicated. And yet every piece is important. Every piece, you really can't do without any one piece. In this design, you can't say, well, I'm gonna make my I'm gonna catch mice without this thing. And this mouse trap, but I won't have this part. You have to design something else to hold it. You can't not have a wire does the function of a wire. It could look different, but it needs all the pieces in there. Okay? This is a very important concept. Needs all pieces to operate. Operate. Not operation. Okay. Clear? Does that do you understand that? Because in order to move ahead, you have to understand the mousetrap. Got it? Got to have the pieces. All right. So, if you believe what we'll call the world believes, there's a group of people out there okay, who have adopted a modern-day idea of where this world came from, how it all came down, how it started. All right. If you believe that, I'm going to walk through a general story of how others might say that this all worked. Okay. So if you start with that, you start with something a very, very, very long time ago. We'll come back to the mousetrap in a little bit. According to some people, 4.5 billion years ago, and I am sure there are variations of this any part of this story, but either way, 4.5 billion years ago, something which is out in outer space, which is a vacuum, absence of anything, will say there was an absence of everything. Nothing existed. Okay? Somewhere out in nothing, there was a big boom! And something came from nothing. That is what they call the Big Bang. Now, there are many variations of thought on this, and this is much more philosophical than anyone would want to believe. But there are many scientists that have to answer this question. Where did we come from? If we really exist here on this Earth, all right, and if I punched you, you would guarantee you knew that you are real. Right? 
And if you weren't sure, I could punch you again and harder. And then you might know more. Yes, I'm real. Does anybody think they're not real? Pretty sure you're real? I mean, you go lay in the snow and figure out if you feel cold after a while. That'd be another way you could do it. Cut your finger off or something. I'm not telling you to do that. You could stick your finger in the mousetrap if you wanted to see if you were real. Okay? You all think you're real, right? Because there are people who believe out there that this whole thing is a dream. Okay? So we're going beyond that to say we're real. Okay? <laughs> all right? If you get into certain philosophical classes, they'll say, well, it's all just a dream. All right? We don't really exist. But I'm telling you there are many reasons that you know that you are real. Some of which is you feel things, physical things. All right? You feel pain. That's one thing that knows it's very real. It's not just in your mind. You feel pain. Okay? So this big explosion according to some philosophies out there, happened. And in this big explosion, something came out of nothing. All right? That's where we were in a vacuum before. Nothing was there. Not even molecules, not any of the elements that we know were not there. And boom! Something happened. And all of a sudden, all these atoms and or molecules came out and some of the molecules some people would believe were so big and so complex that they were planets okay because it was a big boom and so out of this big boom came matter and matter gathered into order in order to make the solar system, and we'll just say the entire universe. Now, I'm going to tell you here, because it hurts me just to say some of these things because it's not well thought out. One thing we know, 100%. Has anybody ever burned anything? Has anybody been able to blow up something? <laughs> she says with vigor, yes, it's been great, okay? When you blow something up, do you think, in your expert estimation, that it became more orderly or less orderly? Less orderly, okay? Is this obvious to everybody? You burn it, and it becomes less orderly, right? Take a piece of wood that is a fine crafted piece of furniture. Throw it in the fire. It's an antique, fine crafted. Someone spent years building this, their whole life. It was their masterpiece. And you throw it in the fire, it does not become more orderly. You don't look and say, oh, that's so beautiful now that it's burned. <laughs> right? It's gone. It goes into heat. And it goes into molecules, the carbon and moisture and things that make up that wood. Okay? It does not get more orderly. No explosions end up in order. There is the unusual circumstance of an implosion, which is, has to be very specific circumstances, that can create orders 
like fractals and things, which are um, sort of a snowflake-looking design type thing. But implosions are very indifferent, and you have to design an implosion in order for it to happen. Okay? doesn't just happen. But we'll say an explosion happened, and so what they say with this is, well, okay, when this explosion happened, yes, in general, there's all this disorder, but there are pockets of order. And that's the, the general thought behind it, is there are pockets of order, and those pockets of order are the planets. Planets. Okay? The other big, huge problem is that we know the first law of thermodynamics says you cannot create or destroy matter. We have talked about that. Which, in other words, this this world we know and live in, we cannot destroy or create matter. We can change it from energy to physical things, do things like that, but we cannot create or destroy it. It all has to stay in its realm in which it was put there. We can't change this. Okay? We can change the, the uh, way it appears, and you can change its form, but you cannot get rid of it. And that's proven. By science. And yet, here's this big bang in which matter is created. Enough matter to make the world and the rest of the universe. And this world is a very small piece in the rest of the universe. Okay? So, in this world, so we'll let the universe fly out into its thing, and we're going to go into this world. In this world, in this theory which people have, the story in which they have it. They said, in this story on this world, there was this primordial ooze. And I say that because it was a big soup mixture of all the elements. And in that soup mixture was chaos. But something happened like, boom, big lightning was struck. And order came out of chaos. Which we know we have to actually can do work and do that, can create that. So they say, well, it must have been lightning. Uh, and hit it and struck it and started to put molecules together in order to make something more complex. All right? This is, again, their theory. I do not subscribe to this theory, okay? I'm just telling you what this theory is. In that theory, something split some, and, and those little molecules started to go together in some sort of order. Then, there were a whole more bunch of series of more things. Because you maybe created one element and put a couple elements together. And you could put like H2O together, right? Two oxygens, I'm sorry, two hydrogens and an oxygen. Bond them together and you get water, right? So they're saying, that happened and water showed up which is fine. Water does a lot of different things. And then they said, well, water bonded with some carbon, bonded with some other things, and started to put together the building blocks of life. In which the building blocks of life eventually got to a, a very simple and yet complicated um, molecule called an amino acid. amino acid. And by the way, an amino acid comes in right hand and left hand. Only living things have only, I believe it's left hand and left 
So you put all this together, and in their theory, this continued on a series of lightning strikes and or crazy random weird things that just sort of happened to put together, and those amino acids then sort of formed together to make the first single-celled creature. And then, of course, once you have a single-celled creature, it grew and changed into something that was a two-celled creature, and a four-celled creature, and a ten-celled creature, and a million-celled creature, and eventually that single-celled creature, according to their theory, crawled out from a pond or the ooze and crawled onto a piece of land and grew more and changed more and became something that was hairy and furry or a bird or what we know as our wildlife today and eventually changed into a human. Okay, that's the theory behind where Big Bang starts and the theory of evolution goes to. And I say it very carefully, it is a theory. There's a lot of holes in the theory. There's a lot of missing pieces and some people say, well, I don't believe in the Big Bang. Where did it all come from then? Well, I don't believe uh, that it took, uh, I don't believe that they all came from one single-celled creature. I believe there were more complicated creatures. Where did they come from? So there's missing pieces in this story, and that's why it's the theory of evolution. All right? They believe that there are transitions between uh, species. Right? So, some believe that we came from some lesser creature in the past. We, as a human race, came from a monkey. A monkey man that came from something else. That, that evolved or changed from something else. Right? That theory, again, lots of different holes in it. When, it, when we say, well, that happened... Then I want to say, well, let's look and see um, in this very complex universe what really makes sense and what the Bible says about it. All right? Now, how many of you, or maybe you've at least heard of SpongeBob SquarePants, right? Heard of SpongeBob SquarePants. Now, he has a pet. What's his pet? Gary. The snail that does what? Meows. Meows, like a cat, okay? All right, so Gary the snail, why is that funny when the snail meows? Because snails don't meow, because snails don't meow right? Because snails don't meow, all right? It is obvious to everybody that you cannot take a snail and a cat and put them together and become a snat. We don't have any, right? They're, they just don't exist. There's no snats. It's funny when you say it because you're like, that's stupid. I mean, it'd be funny to look at, and it'd be funny if snails meowed, like Gary, okay? And that's the reason it's funny is because everybody says, ah, that's crazy. Could never happen. Everybody knows it. You don't put them together and get... Snats or kales or whatever you would want to say, okay? They don't mix. We all know this is very obvious, right? 
We're not mixing those two things together to get some sort of half creature. All right? Why not? Why can't you mix a snail and a cat? Because they're different species. Okay. Their, their DNA is different. They have no way to reproduce either, right? They're not created or, or mated together with another one that fits, right? And each species has a specific way that they come together and can mix and change, okay? And you will find, and we'll talk about this, there are changes within a species. All right, so let's go on. Let's look at the story uh, as we think about what happened and why do we believe it, all right? I'm going to say there is much more logical evidence and support. We're going to go to Genesis chapter number one to start. There is much more logical evidence to support creation. This, the story in the Bible or some great being out there that designed what's going on here versus a series of chances. By the way, this just this step of amino acids getting together to become the first building block of life has somewhere in the order of 1 times 10 to the 50th power of a chance. 1 in 10 to the 50th power, which is 10 with 50 zeros after it. Okay, one in that number, whatever that is, which is way more than a billion and a trillion billion, how many ever, I don't even know the number, okay, that, according to mathematicians, is just impossible. It's beyond the chance it ever happened. And yet, just that step has that chance, much less the chance to become a human. We are much more complicated. All right, so let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. Read it, please. We're all in Genesis chapter 1. There we go. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Good job. <laughs> and that's where we're going to stop right there. Yes, he did. God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, one big step. And so you have the creation of a universe. And maybe beyond that maybe the heaven could re could actually refer to other dimensions. But at this point, we just know of what we can see, all right? And we say maybe that's when God created just the universe around us, our physical thing we could see and fly to if we could go fast enough and be old enough, right, to get out to some planet Pluto. None of us would ever make it. We'd all be dead by the time we got there, Okay. Even if we live three or four of times the amount that we do. So God created the solar, solar system in the beginning. Was there a big bang when he created it? I don't know. I wasn't there. Could have been loud, right? It could have been really loud. I mean, you put all this matter into existence from nothing. It could have been an explosion that shook the entire foundation of the nothingness that existed except for God. All of this matter coming out the end of God's fingertip, I don't know, whatever it is, he's not physically bound, he's a being that exists, and all of a sudden says, let it be, and 
Boom! Probably the biggest explosion ever. I don't know. Wasn't there. Was it a big bang? Maybe. But if so, God initiated it, which makes more sense with all of science and how we know it. We say some sort of design happened or intent happened for something to do, to do this and create this with all its complexities. All right, uh, verse number two, three, four, and five, please. Verse two. All right, so what is now existing? God creates the heavens and the earth. Now we're going to zoom in on the earth right away with the story. We zoom in on the earth here, and what is the earth like? A mess. It was without form or and. What's void mean? Nothing there, right? It's, it's empty, which means there's not mountains. So is it, is it a primordial ooze? I don't know. It wasn't there. Is it like a big sea of all the elements? Maybe. But the key is this. God created it and put it there. And God created that next step and said, make it into something. And what did he make? Light. So we were in darkness and he creates light. All right? which is an unusual thing. So does that mean, at least for the earth, okay, it doesn't actually say he created light. What does it say? He said, let there be light. Let there be light, okay? So is it that the sun and other stars and out there are already burning? Or does God set them ablaze at some point? Does he create a chemical physical reaction in which when he says go, these planets and stars and things start to, well, stars start to light up, and our sun begins to light up. I don't know. Or was it such a uh, thickness that he allows light to penetrate and get to that, and it's already created? Either way, it doesn't really matter. It's just the point that he created it. So if some scientific thing comes down through and points out exactly and says, we can tell you the order was this, it will point to, and I have confidence in this, it will point to the way that God's word says. Be careful when you read it that you read it and don't say, well, I already know that. Read it. What does it say? Sometimes you go, go back and look at the, where the words come from and what they actually mean and not English in order to find a specific story. But here we are. He creates the universe and now he brings light. Verse number six through eight, please. Wherever we left off. Six. Gideon, six, please.
All right, so what does he create now? Firmament, okay, which is not a word that we use now, but essentially the idea of a firmament is this big thing of a dome kind of over top. What dome is it that we have? An ozone, right? And and he's creating the he's separating waters. What does that mean? Not yet. Separates one water from another water. Okay, so things that are up in the sky, moisture held up in the sky. So he initiated the water cycle, right? He initiated and said, put some of it up there and put the rest of it down here and create like this thing. What holds the, what holds the sky up and the clouds up in place? <laughs> right. <laughs> Why does that water stay up there? Does not water fall? Yeah. Yeah, wait a minute. Okay, there's more to it. I'm, I'm just trying to say, think about these things. As God said, God initiated the cycle and said, create this. When it evaporates, it does rise up there, okay? And it does collect in a cloud, and eventually it comes down, okay? But God put into place... All of the complicated parts of, of what needs to happen in order for the water to continually cycle for the next whole bunch of years. Okay? He's initiated the cycle and said, do it. Next, verse number, in case, in case you didn't notice, I'm going to ask you what he did next. So be paying attention. Verse 9 through 13. Okay, what did he create? The land first. Plants, okay? <laughs> Which, yes, include grass and herbs of all sorts and fruit trees and other things, okay? So, particularly plants. And is it interesting, just as a note here, what do you need to grow a plant? <laughs> right. oh, all the things you created in order, right? <laughs> Can't do it without it, right? Got to have an exchange for the carbon dioxide and the oxygen, right? You've got to be able to have that in order to grow a plant. It doesn't live without it. You have to have water, and you can't, unless if it's a very specific plant, you can't just throw it in the water and hope for the best. It needs minerals to grow. So God knows all this and says, so how does he move all that water and separate all of that land from that water? In my imagination, my the land is here, okay, if I'm going out on things, and there's water across all the face of the, of the earth, and then there's an atmosphere now that he created with oxygen in between. 
So how does he, how does he raise up the land? Does he just scam me? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes he can. But if we were saying God works within the realm of things that he creates, he creates a thing. We know like, he created the atmosphere and he set into motion something. What, how does our landform change today? On the earth. Earthquakes, which does what? Got a big long word, starts with a T. Tectonic plates, right? And so what happens underneath is this goes way down and this goes way up. Now, that's a little exaggeration, right? But these big plates go and separate out, and the water becomes deep in some places, very deep, and becomes uh, landforms in other places. So why God, why would God, good, he can do whatever he wants, but why do a different thing when he's already got something in mind and he says, this is how this works, this is going to work. Boom, crash, bang, maybe a lot of big bangs, right? Tectonic plates shaking and the whole world moving all in one little motion, probably pretty shaky there, right? And when he's all done with the land, boom, on come the plants. And out they grow. Except, next one, verse number... We need some more things. Verse 14 through 19, please. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth and give them And God directed their light for literally to rule the day and also to rule the night and give the stars light. Thus set them in the expanse of the sky to give light upon the earth. And to rule over the day and over the night, to divide the light from the darkness. So in this day, now, when we said, here's what you need to grow plants, is that true? Yes. What else is true about plants? And probably if you have never really looked into growing plants, if you're looking to make a plant, let me reel up for a second. Mother's Day, they want big, beautiful, blooming flowers. They need light and water and land. But they need something else to bloom on Mother's Day. They need darkness. They need seasons of darkness and light, right? And it's got to change in such a way because plants respond. How do you get these big, beautiful red poinsettias at Christmas time? Because people have learned to put darkness on those plants at certain times for certain lengths of days to trick the plant to say, you need to be blooming right at Christmas time because I need to sell you. Right? And that's how they create that. Seasons, which is what God created there in order to not only set things in motion growing, but now they are blooming. And they bloom, and it says they are created after their own kind. The plants, the la in the last section, after their own kind. All right? So plants are plants are plants. Got it. Okay. Next, verse number 20 through 23. 
said with Wells and Elliot is putting the creature that and his living creature that that exists, um, which is part of the dark force of abundantly and their kind and every living fowl after his kind and God saw that and God saw that they were good. So, birds and fish, and they are specifically also like the plants after their own kind. Okay? After their own kind, specifically. Uh, verse number 24, I will read. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after his kind, cattle and creeping things, beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. All right. So that's kind of where we're finishing this piece of the story. He creates animals. He creates fish and birds. He creates plants. He creates all kinds of creepy animals, everything from the earthworm to the lizard to the lynx to the leopard, to the elephant, all these different creatures, cattle, different sorts of things, okay? And there are different groups. And those of you who have been uh, far enough, you have probably learned about life science or biology. Uh, there's a whole series that biologists create. They go in the, in the kingdom first, right? And the kingdom is things like the animal kingdom or the plant kingdom. All right, and there's a lot of Greek or Latin names that are connected with all those things, but there are a whole series, and science scientists have taken them and putting, and every living creature fits in one of these categories, and can be identified more and more uh, minutely according to that. So everything, including you and I, have a kingdom, a phylum, a class, an order, a family, a genus, and a species. Every one of us. Have bro are broken down that way and classified. So we all go up to the animal kingdom. Okay? Even as a human, we fit in the animal kingdom. But when you finally get down to the two end pieces, the genus and the species, those are what is very interesting. Okay? I share a family okay, with other animals, but when I get down into my genus and my species finally, I become uh, homo sapiens sapien or something like that, where I'm, I'm actually identified as a human being. And what God specifically said time after time after time after time is when he created those beings, they were created after their own kind. Now I can get a dog, and I can breed a dog with another dog. All right? And all sorts of dogs can be created from those dogs. Things like chihuahuas, 
all the way up to St. Bernard's. All with similar genetics, but they breed and they look for some sort of certain characteristics and over the many years that mankind has worked to try and breed and get specifics, they come out with a breed called a Labrador Retriever, okay? Or a Poodle, or whatever. But still, within the dog genus and species, those are bred, okay? You can't breed dogs and humans, or dogs and cats and get a dat. You don't get Garys, okay? Because cats and snails do not, they're not even in the same genus or species. They're way up the line where they're connected in the whole family of living things, all right? So God created boundaries and said they don't cross beyond this boundary. And what they do is there are some things that you can breed like a, donkey and a horse you can breed and become a mule but you cannot breed a mule and a mule because they're sterile that's one of the boundaries that god has said that's the end it doesn't go any further you can breed and breed and breed and breed and breed and only within certain you can't then take that mule and breed that with a cat right or an earthworm it just doesn't work god created this set of rules in which the order works, all right? And the big problem with the theory, and it's, it's all very obvious, we know that. Gary does not exist. I'm sorry, it's funny, but Gary doesn't really exist. A snail that meows. So when we get down to it, God says, after their own kind, I created this. And that's how we know that what God says is true. Because you could try to breed and breed and breed and breed all that you could think to try and cross things, and it just doesn't work. Okay? It doesn't go beyond. And even if you can get something living to come out of it, you can't get that to breed again and create a new species. God created all the species that there were, all the genus at least, and that within the species, there are ranges of differences. And they can. There are evolution even within the species changes within the species but not from species to species and that's where this whole theory kind of falls apart and god had to put us here in the beginning some bigger intelligent power if you don't want to call him god whatever but some big intelligent design power put us here so that's why we're here Okay? So when God did all that, he said, I created it this way, I made it this way, and it doesn't work any other way. Now, back to the mousetrap to finish it up. All along the pathway, we have said that you need all the parts and pieces, right? It was obvious. With a, with a mousetrap, you need every part for it to work. The same thing goes with every species, right? Dogs... Dogs, he created male and female. And within dogs, you need a male and a female in order to get more dogs. That's how it goes. Got to have them, right? Same thing with humans, same thing with snails, okay? You have to have a male and a female, and that's the way God created it. Without all the parts and pieces, you cannot, it doesn't work. That species will not continue. Just like the mousetrap. So 
the whole thing that's very obvious to you is, okay, one missing piece, the mousetrap doesn't work. It's not a real mousetrap anymore. Anywhere along this line, like, say you could get down here and create a male only of a snail. But what about the female in order to grow another snail? There's too many problems because there's missing pieces along the way. God created the species as they were in the beginning because you needed all the pieces to perpetuate the species. God knew that when he designed them, and he made it that way. Yes, there are some earthworms and things like that that can produce on their own. And yes, there are bacteria that can divide on their own, but they, are, they don't turn into humans. Okay? They just stay as bacteria. More bacteria. And then you kill them and there's less. And then they create more. Because that's the way God designed it. He created life to live within the boundaries in which he made it. And that's why we believe what we believe. Because it all makes sense. You can't cross the boundaries that God created. In the Bible it tells us that story. Time and time again it tells us exactly how it worked. Here's the boundaries. Here's what they needed for life. And here's how I created life. And it has been that way since God rolled this world into existence. All these creation. It is true and it still remains true. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day.